Hi church, how are you guys doing? I know I'm a little bit close to the front. It's a new year and we're trying out a few new things and one of the new things we're trying out is a different stage set up, you know, but I'm just going to home back in here a little bit sometimes uh, where I'm comfortable. Alright, how many of you uh, like uh, uh, new Year's. You like to start new things. You like you start new things. How many of you are starting new things this year? You you like new things? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I know starting new things and liking new things are not the same. How many of you are uh, okay starting new jobs? You don't have to raise your hands. Okay, I, I, some of you are starting new jobs. How many of you are are, are, are going to start living in a new place uh, 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 this year or something like that? Right. I know some of you are. Right. I know some of you are. Um, I I my favorite one of my favorite weeks of the whole year is often <laughs> one of my favorite weeks of the year is often the last week of the year between Christmas and New Year i.e. the week that has just gone by and I love it because I get to quieten down you know Christmas is done you know as church workers we get to like chill actually we don't really chill okay uh, but we get to chill a little bit and and uh, and prep for the coming year. I love prepping for the next year. Um, that's why uh, the week between Christmas and the New Year tends to be one of my favourites. Uh, this year, um, mine ended up being a little busier than the last, you know, and, uh, and, and spent a lot of time doing different things, seeing more people and so on. It's still good. It's still good and, and, and some of the prep work is carrying into the start of the year as well, but that will be good. This year, um, to open up uh, the pulpit for the whole year. I want to share with you a little mini-series um, that I'm going to call New Year, New Things, okay? New Year, New Things, four sermons about new things and the things that we are going to experience here in church across the year of 2023. Guys, I'm not used to saying 2023. Are you all used to it yet? I'm super not used to saying 2023, right? It feels strange. It feels like me planning for next year, but it's not. The year is upon us, right? And today, I want to share with you about new things. I want to share with you about God doing new things in our lives. I want to share with you about God doing an overhaul, God doing a, a, a makeover, God doing a transformation in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Recently, um, I... I, I, I don't know if it's happening for you guys on your Instagrams. This particular post started to trend a little bit. It's on Hollywood makeovers that left the person looking worse than original. Have you all seen that, that before? No? Okay, so anyway, that found me. I don't know how the algorithms are working, but that found me. And I started scrolling through it, and I found it a bit funny that sometimes when Hollywood does a makeover, you know, like the My Fair Lady type of makeover, the She's All That type of makeover, you know? Sometimes uh, the end result is, is less, less good-looking than, than the original. But I'll tell you something. My personal favourite version of that, okay, um, is a painting. It's a fresco of our Lord Jesus in a Spanish town called Borja, right? Um, have you all seen this? How many of you are familiar with this? If you're familiar with it, can you just give me a little wave of your hand, right? Because I realized during soundcheck that not many of us are familiar with this, right? So this um, is the original fresco. It's, it's not big. It's about, it's about this, this high, 
is on a wall in a church um, in, 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 a, in a very quiet, sleepy town in Spain. And over time, uh, because there was dampness in the wall, uh, moisture in the air, um, the fresco started to peel. And so uh, the church members saw that it was starting to peel and it started to look not so nice. And one sister in the church... <laughs> Some of you are laughing already, right? One sister in the church undertook the project. And she was an amateur painter, okay? She undertook the project to restore this fresco. You guys, you guys want to see this? You guys want to see this? Um, she, 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 she restored this fresco and it looked... <laughs> this thing doesn't want to show, yeah. Um, it looked like this, right? <laughs> and and obviously everyone was horrified um, at the at the at the art, at the masterpiece that emerged, you know, from from this. And I saw one headline. I started reading up about this, right? Her name was her name was Celia Jimenez, right? I think it's Jimenez, not Jimenez. Um, Celia Jimenez, and. She, 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 one of the headlines said that they did not let me finish. That's why, you know, I'm thinking, um, I, think, I think we know why they didn't let you finish. Um, but, but you know what? You know what? The, some makeovers don't, don't, don't work, right? Some makeovers just leave the, 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 the original product looking uh, worse. Um, but I, I, I looked at this, this uh, uh, triptych right, of pictures uh, for a long time uh, yesterday evening. And the more I looked at it, the more I realized that this could very well be a metaphor for our lives because because maybe for some of you this is this represents okay yeah <laughs> this represents i cannot click on this thing because it's not it's, it's not just you Lionel this thing is not is refusing to to work okay okay yeah this represents your your childhood you know <laughs> and it was so good and everything was rosy and beautiful and then adolescence started ravaging your life just a little bit and you get into adulthood and you are just like, Right? And maybe, maybe this represents your life. Uh, or maybe, maybe uh, let me bring it closer um, to, to present day. Maybe for some of you, this represents your, the year that has just, just gone by, right? This is January, January of 2020, okay? The start of 2020, be pre-pandemic, right? Everything was great and beautiful and rosy. It's a midway pandemic. You're kind of a COVID-ravaged life, you know? Your, your business, your economy, your, your, your social life is all that. And then just as you thought 2022 would deal you a better hand, you know? <laughs> some of you, this was your 2022, right? Aren't you glad to have stepped out of it, you know? Um, and I, I started to short Sindiri, uh, making quite a lot of memes just to humour myself, some of which I cannot show you, only Athelia can see them, you know? Um, and and, and well, if you want to see them, you can come and ask me, right? Um, but, but that is in some ways, that, that is in some ways a... Uh, 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 
I, I don't know, uh, sometimes we think about wanting to do things new and to renew old things, you know, and you got to make sure you don't make a hash out of it, right? And one of the ways in which we try to do new things is when we start the year, we like to start with New Year goals, right? Or maybe we used to call them New Year's resolutions. How many of you, you like um, to start New Year's uh, with, with uh, resolutions or, or goals? You can just stretch your hand. I do. I'm like a New Year goals junkie, right? Um, so if you do, you can stretch out your hand, right? Um, how many of you, you used to, but you have grown weary of New Year's resolutions because you realize you never keep them, right? Right? Okay, that's you. That's you, right? You're weary and therefore you never set them anymore, right? And, and, and then, of course, over time, you learn that, oh, there are some things about the way we set our New Year's resolutions that causes them to fail. So, for example, we are not specific, right? We just say, oh, I just want to be a nicer person, right? Now, you can't just be a nicer person. You gotta, you know, your goal has to be like, I'm going to say good morning to three people every day when I walk into, the, into my workplace. It's got to be specific. It's got to be measurable. All the smart goals like time-based, you know, it's got to be relevant and stuff like that. What's A, uh, by the way, of smart? Um, uh, applicable? No? no. Achievable. It has to be achievable. It cannot be unrealistic, right? And so, when we, when we set New Year's resolutions, um, I think, if, for those of us who do, I, I stop calling them resolutions because it's got all this all these uh, uh, um, bad connotations, you know, but I, am, um, I still am a New Year goals junkie, right? And so I, I've got so many uh, habits that I want to work in. There are habits I want to work out of my life. There are goals that I want to go for. And so one of my goals last year was to, was to pick up reading, uh, was to pick up reading seriously. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see that, oh my gosh, is this the only thing my pastor is doing? I don't, I, 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 I'm quite worried for our church. Um, and so, uh, last year, um, the year before that, I read three books. Uh, last year, I think I just decided every Monday, I'm just going to, you know, use my sand time to read. Uh, uh, every, every Monday, I'm just going to, you know, find, carve out time in the, in, in the nights to read and stuff like that. And so, I, I mean, okay lah, some novels were big, some were novellas, some were shorter, you know, but I clocked off. How many was it? 21, right? Two? Two. 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 I clocked off 22 uh, books uh, 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 last year. And so, uh, the, the impulse is to go up, go, go more, you know, and like, oh, chase 24, two books a month, you know. But I was thinking, no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm happy to even come close to replicating it this year. Um, but I want to encourage you, don't be jaded uh, about setting goals because we are all uh, um, target-driven. We're all goal-driven. We, we, if there is nothing for us to work towards, we don't really know what to do, right? And so it's, and, and that's important. The problem is if we are not, uh, um, we, we may lack the discipline, we may lack the, the, a little bit of the little finesse in terms of how we word our goals. And if we do, then our January looks like this somewhere middle of. Our goals look like this, right? Uh, ravaged by many, too many low sangs, right? Um, your, your fitness goals. These are your fitness goals every year, right? In January, you're like, yeah. After too many low sangs, you're like this, you know? By March, <laughs> you're gone. By March, it's over, right? And you are waiting for next year to begin. Now, I want to read us a passage of scripture so that we can start the new year with this beautiful passage of scripture that describes 
God's restoration, okay? And His restoration is a bit more like the reverse of this and I hope the text shows it. If you read the text and you think it goes in this direction, there's something wrong either with the text or with this or with us or I don't know what's wrong, okay? So I'm going to read to you. Um, oh yeah, I just wanted to show this earlier. Yeah, new things. Next week, we're going to um, uh, look into discipling this whole year in our church grow things, right? Uh, the following week, we are going to look at how we can serve and put our hand to the plough in this church, sow things, uh, um, not sow things, even though planting and pigs are both uh, farm metaphors, but it's sow things. And then uh, after Chinese New Year, we're going to take a break, you know. By the way, Chinese New Year this year is on a Sunday. Toyak is a Sunday. So there will be no service this year for Chinese New Year. That's not an announcement that was planned. I just happened to have it in my mind, right? But after Chinese New Year, we will regather um, and talk about missions and outreach. And we're going to talk about goal things, right? So new things, new year, new things, right? Um, and the first thing I want you to hear, first passage of Scripture I want you to be exposed to at the start of the year is Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35 is a text I encountered towards the end of last year and it was so, I found it so beautiful. I found it so enriching. I found it so, so glorious. You know, and, and, and I want to read it for you now. Track it with me. And I think that it would be a great culture in our church if we brought our Bibles because I have my Bible right here as well. You know, I'll be reading some parts from here. Okay? But if you don't have it, as most of us don't, let's read it from the screen. The wilderness and the dry land will be glad. The desert will rejoice and blossom like a wildflower. It will blossom abundantly and will also rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the weak hands. Steady the shaking knees. Say to the cowardly, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. Vengeance is coming. God's retribution is coming. He will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. For water will gush in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The parched ground will become a pool and the thirsty land springs. In the haunt of jackals in their lairs, there will be grass, reeds and papyrus. A road will be there and a way. It will be called the holy way. The unclean will not travel on it but it will be for the one who walks the path. Fools will not wander on it. There will be no lion there, and no vicious beast will go up on it. They will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk on it, and the ransomed of the Lord will return and come to Zion with singing, crowned with unending joy. Oh, church, how do you want that? unending joy. Not long joy, unending joy. Crowned with unending joy. Joy and gladness will overtake them and sorrow and sighing 
will flee. Father, may you bless the reading and unpacking and understanding and attentiveness to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, um, all of these things, I want to sum up two words. If you can just and, uh, 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 hear Isaiah 35 in two words, it is renew and remain. Somebody say renew, renew. and remain. remain. This side say renew. renew. This side say? Remain. This side says? And we all say remain, right? Renew and remain. These are the things that Isaiah 35 is really trying to say to every single one of us. I'm not going to I'm not going to belabor it. Renew, right? It says that wilderness, dry land, desert, all these, all these wasteland places are going to rejoice. Now, this is poetic language, right? Because I don't know what it looks like for dry land to rejoice. But have you ever seen a beautiful landscape? It almost looks as if that landscape is rejoicing, that it is happy. Have you ever seen a patch of grass? It just looks happy because it's flourishing. Or you see a plant and you say, you know, wow, my plants are, so, are doing so well today. You know, they are really happy, right? Or maybe for most of us, you go to your garden and you look at your plants and go like, my plants are really not happy today, right? How many of you feel that way about, about your, your balcony, right? Um, weekends. So it's not, just, it's not just the natural world. It starts out talking about the natural world and talking about how these things are going to rejoice and blossom and flourish and, and, and sing. While the Bible uses very, very uh, humanized or animated words to describe the natural world sometimes. Singing land, right? But it doesn't stop there. It goes on to talk about how humans, the weak hands, the feeble knees, the anxious hearts, be strong, O cowardly one, have no fear. Why? On what grounds? On what grounds should this transformation take place? Over what reason? It's because God has entered in and he's speaking over this terrain a newness and he's committed to renewing it now in a moment i'm going to show you and ask a few maybe i don't know if how difficult those questions are but we're going to ask a few questions of it but just before we move on towards the end it moves back to the natural world again the wilderness the desert the burning sand the thirsty ground the haunt of jackals haunt of jackals always refers to ruined places okay so places that formerly was inhabited it's gone to absolute ruin it's rubble and chaos and desolation even in the haunt of jackals there will be waters streams pools springs of water reeds and rushes you know and why what's causing what happens when this thing takes place when the dead becomes the living when the dry and barren becomes flourishing landscape what happens if you look into your text it will say that god will get the glory why does god get the glory god gets the glory when transformation from death to life takes place because God is able to bring life out of death. Somebody say amen. 
How many of you, you actually do, you do actually tangibly believe that God can bring life into dead situations? Say amen. God can because He is God. The fact that today you can sit here on 1st of January and everybody right now, at, uh, when I say inhale, can inhale. And all of us can inhale. Exhale. All of you have breath in you. You didn't give yourself that breath. You can be as secularly minded, you can be as sceptical about God, you can be as cynical about whether He is good or not good, but the fact that there is something happening in you, almost automated, there is something animating you each day to wake up and you don't have to intentionally breathe such that if you were to forget to breathe, you drop dead. You don't have to be mindful about staying alive. Someone else is being mindful on your behalf to keep you alive. That is evidence that God is in the picture. And so, this same God who breathes life into you every two seconds, right? You're like, <sighs> that same God who gives you life can reanimate all dead things and bring it to absolute life. And we've seen it. We've seen it on the cross as Jesus died. We've seen it that three days later, His dead body in the, in the grave was resurrected back to everlasting life. And when He was resurrected, now we can die in Christ, we can rise in Christ, and we can live forever. That's what the renewal in Isaiah 35 is trying to point towards. You have to remember, in Isaiah 35, in Isaiah's time, this was some 700 years before Jesus uh, 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 comes onto the scene. Is it 700 years? Am I right? There's another 400 years of silence and then about a few hundred years. Yeah, it's about 700 years between Isaiah and Jesus being born. Christmas story. So actually, if, you're, if we were just in the Christmas story, we are rewinding 700 years to hear what Isaiah is saying. He's, he's calling forth what's going to come in the future. And he's saying, yes, there's going to be springs coming out from dead places. Now, here's the deal. Is the Bible talking only about physical, literal land renewal? It, it is talking about it. It is talking about because we know that God is rejuvenating some of the land there. I think I've, I, I have some friends who really watch this space, not me, uh, but I know people who watch this space and they, and they tell me that some of these barren wastelands, the ecology is, is being transformed. You know? So I don't know so much. I know a little bit about, about the salt lands you know, in, around the Israel area and how, and how that ecology is changing. But that's another day's story. Is it talking about land actual ecological change? Yes, but much more than just that. In fact, it is using the ecological transformation to talk about the, a deeper, more lasting, more powerful, more personal transformation that is to take place in the lives of those people who welcome in the transforming power that is the one to come. In Isaiah's time, they were only speculating in a foggy way as to the power that would bring about this transformation. They know it is Messiah. They know God will come. 
but they are, they are really pulling from, from, from a vague kind of like, like assemblage of scriptures pointing forward. And all of the Jewish texts uh, would have little hints pointing forward to say that when Messiah comes, it will be like this. This is, is one of the texts. When Messiah comes, springs will come out of dry ground. When Messiah comes, the lion, the, 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 the wolf and the lamb will lie together. When Messiah comes, and all of these things. And now we, 21st century Christians, we have the benefit of so much hindsight. We can look back and say, oh, it's talking about Jesus. It was not obvious to them then, but it is obvious to us today. And we can be very blessed about it. Is the Bible talking about renewal of the people's lives. Yes. Yes, the Bible is. Is the Bible talking about your renewal? Or was it only talking about the renewal of the nation of Israel in Isaiah's time? Now, a little bit of, a little bit of history. Isaiah 35 was written in this weird, tumultuous time in the history of, of that nation. What was happening is this. Their neighbours, the northern kingdom called Israel, had just been attacked by Assyria. They have just been raided. They have just been taken out. Okay? And so you have a diaspora. You have a, a, a nation of, of their siblings okay, and their cousins. It's a, it's, it's a little bit like if Malaysia and Singapore, uh, that kind of relationship, right? But, and and they, they had their own animosities as well. So, so maybe my analogy is not too far off, right? Um, it's a little bit like that. They just saw their neighbours and many relatives across the border, okay, be completely annihilated by Assyria, taken back to Assyria and dispersed. And their own... Their own uh, uh, um, what was what was the word for the trip to Babylon? I'm I'm exile. Their own exile, their own captivity to Babylon has not happened yet, but they are on the way to it. Okay, so the around them there is there is a, a, a moral decay around them. There is a, there is a, everything is falling apart. Um, there's injustice. There is a, a cruelty. There is oppression, and they are seeing all these things happen. It's mirroring their neighbors above them who are now gone. You know, and there is a sense of anxiety about what. God is going to do in their midst. Will God punish? Will God be wrathful against them? Do they have time to repent? What will happen? And into this milieu of, of fear and anxiety and worry, and to be, to be very fair, quite a lot of, I don't care, I, I'm not going to look, you know, I'm just going to enjoy my life, I'm just going to make my money, I'm just going to exploit the poor, I'm just going to do... In the, into that milieu comes this promise. God is going to bring a renewed into the, the, the land, a renewal into the hearts of people so that even those who were dried up inside, even those who are hardened inside, when God comes and He wants to water, He waters and your heart will be nourished, your life will be transformed. Church, do you believe this is possible for you? Do you believe this is possible for you? Now, a lot of times, we don't succeed in our New Year's resolutions. We say, I want to get more serious with God. I want to do my Bible reading better, you know, and then your Bible reading starts off beautiful, and then your Bible reading becomes a little bit, uh, a little bit ravaged by, by missing a few days, and then, you know, after a few months, it's gone, right? And we all want to sustain 
It is God who sustains. Remember, as we begin a new year, it is God who sustains. Is this renewal about you as well? Yes, it is. And I will show you shortly how I know. Yes, it is. We're going to back up. It says here, the glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. If you don't um, go back and look at, at what these places represent, you may miss it. Lebanon refers to the forest. In fact, until today, the Lebanon uh, uh, um, flag has a tree in the middle, right? Lebanon always in the Bible refers to the lush forest and, and, uh, and the woodlands, right? Um, Carmel is the mountains. Carmel refers to the Mount Carmel, right? Sharon refers to the plains. It refers to the lowland valley plains. So what's really happening here is it's describing three different terrains. And it's interesting that it should say the splendor of Carmel and Sharon, right? Because you have there a mountain, you have there a valley in the context of God coming. Does that remind you of any other parts of Scripture? God's coming, something about a mountain, something about a valley. John the Baptist, right? Remember when John the Baptist was heralding the coming of Jesus? He says that every mountain shall be brought low, every valley shall be lifted up, make straight the path for the coming King. The King Jesus is coming. And what it really means that every mountain shall be brought low, every valley lifted up, is that everyone who walks with a swagger has to let go of that swagger and walk normal. Everyone who walks with a limp has to let go of that limp and walk like normal because God is going to level the playing field. And when He levels the playing field, there are no superstars and there are no outcasts. Everyone has straight up access to Him and He's going to start calling. And there are no celebrities in church, neither are there barriers in church. Every mountain brought low, every valley lifted up. And the splendor of Carmel and Sharon, the splendor of the valley, in this case, now bringing it into New Testament, the splendor of, of those who are, who, who are high, mighty, well-resourced, being humble. And the splendor of, 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 of the downtrodden being lifted up. That will give God glory. They will see the glory of Yahweh and the splendor of our God, right? That's what's going to happen. Now church, if you feel entering this year that you have just been train wrecked many times over, like you're going to go it by the lorry many times, right? And you feel like, gosh, 2022 was so bad, right? I want you to know the Lord wants to lift you up. I want you to know that the Lord has a good year ahead of you. And right around the corner, God has a blessing for you. God has a good thing for you. And His good thing may not always be material. His good thing may not always be health, wealth, and you know, all, all, all the, the, the prosperity gospel. His good thing may come in unassuming packages, but I know He has a good thing for you. And you, you, I want to encourage you to anticipate that good thing because sometimes we are so jaded and cynical, we don't believe that a good thing lies waiting for us around the corner. And that's something the Lord has been teaching me. I want us all to anticipate new life just 
around the corner because all of Isaiah 35 and more is about God bringing new life just around your corner. He says this, the unclean will not travel on it. It will be uh, 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 for the one who walks the path. Fools will not wander on this highway, this road, right? Some translations say a highway. There will be no lion, no vicious beast. I want you to see these words. The unclean, the fools, the lion, the vicious beast. And I'm going to turn in my Bible to Luke chapter 4. Because, and if you have it, sorry, it's Luke chapter 3. Who are these unclean, fools, lion, vicious beasts? When the king comes... I'm going to read Luke chapter 3. It says here from verse 1 onwards. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, that's, I suppose that's the Caesar, lah, the, 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 the supreme monarch of the day, right? In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being the governor of Judea, and Herod, being the tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, Tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis and Lysanias, Tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. So many orang yang di alu alukan in this list. I lost track of how many. So many VIPs in this list. How many of you, were you tracking how many VIPs were there in this list? I wasn't tracking. I, I lost track. <laughs> During the reign of all of these people, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. So you can have, as I've just read for you, a time in history and Luke is doing something very intentional. He is telling you during the high priesthood of so, 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 and so, during the Tansri, so, 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 whatever, you know, who is in charge of, who is the tetrarch of this, and uh, during the, the titled person's uh, reign over this place, during Tiberius Caesar's time, during all, in the list out, all of the VIPs in power, in political power, in military power, in religious power, the word of God. And all the VIPs were and wait, what? The word of God went to the wilderness to a man dressed and living in humility called John the Baptist. The word of God finds, avoids the unclean, the fools, the lion, the vicious beasts because we know from the story some of these guys actually were very vicious beasts. Herod the Tetrarch is named among them finds the one who walks the path and the word of God lands on him church I want the word of God to land on you I want the word of God to weave through our our whole world through and past all of the all of the high mighty powerful Vicious beasts, lion, fools, unclean, through the Herods and the Caesars and the Pharaohs, and to find its way to you. I want the word of God to find its way to you. 
Because if the Word of God does not find its way to you, your year is going to be like that third part of the triptych. I want the Word of God to land on you this year so that the rejuvenation, the renewal takes place. And I want it for every single one of you. I want it quite badly. And that's why we are doing an anointing service next Saturday morning in the place of our normal, ordinary, our normal, not ordinary, always extraordinary, our normal uh, prayer altar. We're going to gather, we want to anoint every single one of you because we want to start the year with God. We want to start the year with the Word of God landing on you. And it's going to take a humbling. It's going to take a, a right-sizing. It's going to take an awareness that God is God and I am me. And, and our paths do cross, but our swords don't. Does that make sense? Our paths cross, our swords don't. We don't challenge God. We know He is God. We love Him. We obey Him. We give Him our full allegiance. Now, I want to tell you something about this story because it's funny, we laugh at it and a lot of people have mocked um, poor old, she was 82, uh, 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 Celia Jimenez, you know. Um, but I tell you something, I tell you something. God, I told you about unexpected packages, right? And how God sometimes gives His renewal that way. I tell you something. Because of this fresco going viral and the whole world having a good laugh, right, at it, this little town of of Broha in Spain has seen an incredible spike in tourism. This fresco remains in the church. If you ever go to Spain, you know. I've just muted. No, it's okay. Um, you, you, you might want to go and take a look, right? The people and the business people in this town have reported that tourism has absolutely spiked in the 10 years um, since uh, um, uh, um, Madame uh, Jimenez's absolute disaster. The fresco is there. Tourists are flocking in. The museums around the church are seeing a ridiculous uh, um, um, upturn in uh, ticket sales. Uh, restaurants around the areas are all starting to flourish. One restauranter I read reported that because of this, he has now opened a second restaurant in town. And the whole town loves her now. <laughs> they, still, they, they still laugh at the painting. The whole town loves her. The whole town loves the fact that this thing brought a rejuvenation to their otherwise sleepy and fairly dead town. God renews things in the strangest, most unlikely ways. And just sometimes, the onset of those renewals can be painful, can be embarrassing, can bring shame, can make you feel like you want to crawl into a hole and hide there forever. But God renews and He renews not just the land around her, actually they re God did a work for her huh, through this. Actually, she, she's an amateur painter, right? She actually started selling her paintings on eBay. I saw one of them. You can Google her up. And they are not bad, you know. They are not bad, you know. She's got a different style, such a different style from this. And, 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 you, and, and God is a God who does things. This is just an, a parable. But God can do something great in your life. Renew, then remain. We are, um, it's a very lopsided sermon. And Memang was always going to share more on the first point. But here is this. It says in, this, in the part about saying you should remain the cause, right? Where? It says, be strong. Do not fear. He is your God. 
vengeance is coming, He will save you. Now, most of our challenges don't involve someone bad coming at us such that we are crying out for vengeance. But don't forget that there are people in this world who are actually oppressed by real humans for whom this oppressed people will actually cry, God, can you please defend me against these oppressors? And God says to them, vengeance is coming. For some of you, you are experiencing, you will possibly experience spiritual warfare. And that's real and that's to be expected sometimes and it's, it's not absolutely abnormal. And when you face spiritual warfare, God brings vengeance upon every power of darkness that seeks to upend you. God brings His wrath against the spiritual powers of darkness, against demonic forces because He hates them and He will annihilate them one day. And until that day, He will keep bringing His vengeance on your behalf against spiritual powers of darkness that seek to destroy and curtail your year. I want to move on. The one who walks the path, the redeemed, are the ones who find this road. And I want every single one of us in the coming weeks to get on this road. That's why next week, I will be sharing on grow things because this year we want really I mean, every year we want to take discipling seriously but i want to show you how we're going to take discipling seriously in this coming year now my friends we all want to start the year well and there is one thing i i, I think i'm going to close on this there is the renewal and i talked at length about it there is the remaining you have to remain Jesus says in John chapter 15, Remain in me and I in you. You will bear much fruit. And I didn't really go to the lengths of showing it to you. But you know the highway, the way of God, the road? It's Jesus. You know why? In John 14, He says, I am the way. Everyone was waiting for that way, that, that Isaiah 35 way. Jesus says, I am the way. No one goes to my Father except through me. And it's, it shouldn't be an offensive thing. That's the Father. You go to the Father through the Son. And you saw the springs of water. Jesus spoke with a woman five times married over and broken up. And her life was a wreck. And Jesus said to her, if you had known who I am, you would have asked me for water and I would have given you water and that water would well up in you to be springs of living water welling up into eternal life. Those waters in Isaiah 35, Jesus effectively said in John chapter 4, I am that spring of living water. My friends, this year, renew, allow God to do the renewing work. Remain. Remain in Him because He is the one who will carry you through. But for some of us, for some of us, I don't want to be presumptive, but some of us have not received Jesus into our lives yet. And when I say receive Jesus, maybe you've been to church, you've heard this expression, receive Jesus into your heart. Now, it's true, you want to receive Jesus into your heart. But sometimes it's a little bit conceptual, so you might not really be able to think like, actually, what does it mean uh, to receive Jesus into my heart? You know, is there, like, is there this thing, space in my heart, and I receive Jesus? I think about Him. I'm not sure if He's 
all good yet? I, or maybe I used to walk with Him and now I don't really walk with Him and I'm not sure what does it mean to receive Him in my heart? And last night as I was preparing this, this point on receive, I, I remembered the old Disney cartoon Beauty and the Beast. How many of you remember the... I'm talking about the cartoon Beauty and the Beast, right? How many of you remember that? Yeah, okay. And in the opening scene, there is the old beggar woman. You remember that, that with the stained glass? That's the old beggar woman, right? From the opening of Beauty and the Beast. The old beggar woman brings a rose, a magical rose to the prince in the castle, asking him for shelter. He rejects her. He could have received her, but he rejects her. And I always remember the voiceover saying that at that point, she melted away to reveal a beautiful enchantress, right? And then, you know, oh, so lame, you know? Like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Too late, right? Too late. Now, when I think about receive Jesus, receive Jesus into your heart, it's just a metaphor that doesn't really click for me because it's just a little bit, a little bit distant. I'm not sure. Maybe it works for you. But I want to invite you to receive Jesus like an, like an old beggar woman. I want, you in, I want to encourage you, invite you to receive Jesus in an unlikely package. The Bible says Jesus, elsewhere in Isaiah, the Bible says that He had no beauty no form of beauty that we should be attracted to Him. At the risk of mixing comedy with a serious moment, you know that third part of the triptych just now? Could you receive Jesus like that? I want you to receive Jesus into your life and say, if Jesus were to come and knock at your door and He is old and bedraggled and dirty, and, 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 and dusty. He's carrying something. He's carrying something that in, in, in some terms is magical. It's not magical. It's life-giving. And he can actually melt away to become the most beautiful thing you have ever seen. He can. But sometimes he chooses to show you a rugged side of himself, a humble side of himself. And this year, as we start, for some of you, you may have never received Jesus into your life the way you would welcome an old beggar man. And I want to give you that opportunity. And I'm going to say a short prayer right now. If you have never received Jesus into your life, you've never opened your door and said, come in, come in. I want you in my life. For the first time, I'm talking about first time. Come in. Take shelter. I want to host you. Unknowingly, He is the one who's been sheltering all of us. But if you want to make that prayer, I'm going to pray with you in a moment. I'm going to pray for another group as well if you've been walking really far from Jesus. And today, He's knocked on your door again. You've opened the door, you recognize Him. But at the same time, you also don't really recognize him anymore. I want to invite you to re-invite him back into your life. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, actually I won't start with Heavenly Father. Let me pray. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, it's okay, you don't have to follow me. I'm just going to pray, yeah? Okay? Um, Lord Jesus, I, I see that you have knocked on the door of my heart. Lord Jesus, I've opened the door. At least I see you standing there. I've heard that you want to renew my life. I don't entirely believe it can happen this year. There are many things and, and many factors and I'm concerned and some of it is not within my control. But today, I'm hearing about a promise made from a long time ago that when I welcome you into my life, you can change things. And I know from everything around me that some of the things will change in the coming year. Many of the things may not change in the coming year. Many of the things may take a lifetime of gradual change. And some things I won't even see the change while I'm alive. But I've been told that I will see the full, beautiful change at the other end of this life. And one day, when I step off this shore, I will step onto the most glorious, beautiful, the most glorious, beautiful eternity that I cannot even imagine. I've been told these things. God, there is a part of me that wants to believe. Help me with my unbelief. Today, I receive you into my life to be my King, to be my Lord, to be my Saviour. I'm asking you to come into my life, to be my God for the first time ever I'm asking you in. Or for the first time in a long time, I'm actually relating to you. I want to ask you to come in. Take this humble person with my humble hands and my humble life, most of it broken, not much to show. But use me and turn things around for me. I'm looking forward to a good year and I hope that in you, I can find it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Church, I just want to ask, how many of you prayed that for the first time in your life? Can you raise your hand? If any of you prayed that for the first time ever in your life, can you just give me a little wave? It's okay, right? If you didn't, right? How many of you, you don't have to, you don't have to respond for the next one. I just want you to know. How many of you, you prayed that to say, I want to come home to you after a long time away? Right? If that is you, you can just give a little nod, very private nod. At least I may see some of you nodding. We are going to partake of communion now. as the first weekend of the new year. And as we partake of communion, if we can have the emblems to go around. As we partake of this, these emblems, we want to remember Jesus. We say, sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah for the things he has done, right? We sing that song. What are the things he has done? What is that thing that he has done? He went to the cross. He became the lamb that was slaughtered. He took our place. It's like we were in prison and he came, broke the chains and he said, I'll stand here, you go out. And he set us free. So today we can sing hallelujah for the things he has done.
Let us remember him right now. As you hold the emblems in your hand, I want you to remember the goodness of God over your life. I also want you to project forward His goodness in your life this year. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread. And after He had given thanks, He said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, this bread, this little wafer that I hold in my hand, helps me to remember that your body was broken broken for me so that out of death can come new life out of your brokenness comes my wholeness out of your bruising comes my healing out of your languishing comes my my health out of your torture comes my joy Lord I don't understand why you have set the world up so that for life to flourish quite often something has to die I don't quite understand why death is interwoven into the cycle of things becoming renewed though I see it everywhere in nature and in people and in animals Lord, why? I don't know why but I know this that I hold in my hand represents your death that gives me life. And for that, though I have no answers, I have my thanks. Thank you. Let us partake of this bread together. After supper had ended, he took the cup and he said, This is the cup of the new covenant, a new promise, a new assurance in my blood. As often as you, as you do this, the gathering, do this, the drinking, in remembrance of me. Father, I thank you. I thank you that on the cross, you shed your blood. It was horrific. I cannot even come close to imagining it. But I want to say thank you. Thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you for loving me. Loving me in such a tangible and demonstrated way. You didn't just love me as a concept. You loved me and showed how much you loved me. You stood in the path of death. You stood in the path of a crashing train called death and darkness and sin and brokenness. And you shielded me. It should have been me on that cross. But it was you. And you spilled your blood so that I can have life. Oh God, thank you. I owe you my allegiance because of the things you have done. Let us partake of this cup together. 
church, I pray that throughout this year, your life will be a hallelujah to the light of the world. Amen. Your life will be a praise offering to the light of the world. Your life will be a glorious demonstration of life in you from the light of the world. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for this new year. Lord Jesus, I pray a blessing over all our years. May you protect us throughout 2023. May you cause our works of our hands to flourish throughout this year. May you cause such a good output of productivity and fruitfulness through our vocations throughout this year. May you grant us such spiritual wisdom and insight and vision to set goals for ourselves throughout this year. And may you give us the grace of an outpouring of your Spirit throughout this year. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn His face toward you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His countenance to face you and give you shalom. And all of God's people say, Amen. 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 Let's happy. turn to someone and wish them Happy New Year. For all of you guys who are online, we'd love for you to come and join us as well. We are done here for today. You know, We'll see you guys next week when we talk about discipling and grow things. Until then, bye-bye. See you guys and love you.